Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film After Everything. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast and please don't watch it because it's awful. But if you do care, then just be aware that we're probably going to spoil the plot for you. Enjoy. Hello. All right. How's it going, mate? I'm. I'm a lad. I am, but I'm also posh and sensitive, <laughs> but still awful to women. That sounds like um, a very good film for Halloween. I oh, know. Sorry, Halloween's it over. Sounds like I forgot. The, <laughs> sounds like the perfect movie to get us out of Halloween and into something true. Yeah, we're actually well, we're recording this bef- is... on the night before Halloween, Halloween Eve, but like um, Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, that's the one. Um, you know, do you do like a a Christmas Eve? Do you do a Christmas Eve box, or is that just something that you do with kids, like where you get like a some nice little treats in it, or like one gift? Um, no, we never have done that and never did it. Is that something you do? I know it's very popular. We do, America. yeah, we do it with the kids. We do all the American things. We did. I never had that growing up, but we did. We do that, and it's lovely. But I'm just wondering what the Halloween equivalent would be. Just eating a load of sweets and watching horror movies, which is my everyday. <laughs> Or, yeah, eating a load of sweets and talking to me about a horror movie. Yes. It's fine. But, yeah, we've carved almost all of our pumpkins. Some of them are sitting out front with candles in. Some of them have become squashed and mouldy already. But that's that's how it goes. But we've got plenty <laughs> of them outside. We're ready for Halloween tomorrow. I'm excited. But you'll be listening to this after Halloween. So you try and pretend that Halloween no longer exists, don't you? 1st of November. It's all, it's all over. Uh, no, not for me. Halloween is every day. Not for you. You know that that film, The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's based on your life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm just the very fat version of Jack Skellington. <laughs> Robert Skellington. Yes, that's that's um, the real you. Uh, I like to quote the such brilliant minds as Ministry and Typo Negative with Every Day Is Halloween, which is the the song a song by ministry and then it's the lyrics in a very famous typo negative song oh good every day is halloween oh it should be anyway yeah christmas day also halloween yep dead santa (laughs) um new year's day halloween valentine's day halloween my birthday halloween yep that's the spookiest day of the year it is it truly is the spookiest day of the year because it's the day that i was created forged in this world (laughs) like the wandering wandering. (laughs) yeah did you watch the rings of power by the way i watched about half of it and then i stopped i watched a little bit and then i stopped i i think there was what i saw was fine but i just it was just a low down on my list of priorities but i heard very mixed things some people thought it was really good but some people really dated it didn't they it does not feel like lord of the rings and that's the big problem um that it that's the real issue with it um, it doesn't feel like Lord of the Rings in a particularly strong way. Um, whether it's to do with the dialogue, the direction, the fact that you're following these multiple strands at once rather than focusing on a core group, um, there's something about it that just doesn't feel right. So if you can, 
I found that when I could separate it from it being Lord of the Rings in my head, it was fine. But different bits and pieces kept bringing you back to it. And it kept reminding you of Lord of the Rings because they keep bringing in characters that are adjacent to ones you know or who have very minor roles in the people's general knowledge of Lord of the Rings lore. And like John Bombadil. <laughs> yeah, Tom Bombadil's brother John. Yeah. Uh, turns up. Um but yeah, and so it was just a bit like I don't it feels what they should have done with it is have it be entirely separate from key Lord of the Rings characters altogether. But instead there are these characters in there that you know and it becomes quite jarring because of that they should have done something entirely new within the lord of the rings universe basically if they wanted it to really work for me at least um which is just a bit of a shame because it seemed all right but yeah i couldn't i couldn't separate it from the peter jackson movies which are still like i cannot see anything being better than the peter jackson films in terms of an adaptation of the lord of the rings universe it just yeah. gets the tone so right absolutely yeah I, th- I think i struggled with that too i was like this is this is good but it's not peter jackson director of king kong <laughs> yeah I, I quite like his king kong actually yeah it's I quite think, it's quite silly I think it's i think it's quite enjoyable it's a good old adventure romp yeah surprisingly light-hearted isn't it apart from when the man gets eaten by the horrifying worms yeah um, which is which is not so good, um, but but yeah, uh, that was my big problem. Was Lord of the Rings has a very specific tone, and it's a tone that's very different from anything else fantasy related. And if you don't get that tone right, it doesn't matter how good your cast is, it doesn't matter how good the performances are, you're never gonna break through. And that's why Peter Jackson was so successful with those lord of the rings trilogy but they're not successful with the hobbit films because they felt far too dark for the hobbit Mm. Um, yeah i haven't seen any of them and i won't yeah they're they're bad (laughs) they're not good um but yeah so that was that that was my problem with it i i I do want to go back and finish it but yeah it's just there's other things to watch i've been watching sons of anarchy oh i've never seen any of that it is incredibly melodramatic and i'm enjoying it bunch of manly biker men doing not very nice biker things i was once Um, chatting to a real douchebag in a bar who recommended that to me so i've never watched it (laughs) it's good it's quite it's quite silly it takes itself very very seriously when it maybe well i think if it didn't take itself seriously it would really fail but it takes itself so seriously that it's kind of like it seeps into that melodramatic side of things right it sort of comes out the other side yeah yeah and i've been enjoying it about uh season and a half through it so far okay um, that's been good does it take itself as seriously as the after film series that we love to hate <laughs> on this show it does not take itself as seriously as does anything after. in history take itself as seriously as these films i assume only the very worst and most pretentious british op-ed journalists oh yeah yeah we'll make a, the, we'll make an exception for them <laughs> the only thing i can imagine that takes itself as seriously as the after series um so how did <laughs> how did you enjoy after everything i mean it's a film isn't it it happened <laughs> it happened on my laptop and then on my phone while i was doing stuff in the background so this movie is the last movie ever in the series <laughs> ever no more <laughs> this movie is so good 
that um that it 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 has destroyed cinema entirely yeah look upon my works you mighty in despair so i have a question right this this is this is film number five in the after series we've watched all is it of really me. I couldn't remember if it was four or five, but I remember that that one with Cole Spruce or Dylan Spruce, whichever one it was. I'm not going to go back and look to check. Um, that was number two, and that feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, and they just kept churning them out, churning them, churning them, churning them out. Um, I've got a question, right? There is not a book called After Everything. No, there's not. I was just looking at this um, before we were about to come come online. I was doing my research because I care about important film criticism. Um, it says, After Everything is a 2023 American romantic drama film written and directed by Castile Landon based on the characters from the After series of novels by Anna Todd. So I think what has happened is the director, um, Castile Landon, who directed m- not all of them, but most of them, um, has now gone... I want to cash in on this some more. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna write one myself. Um, so, <laughs> fair enough. She knows where the money is. So I think, like, what? So what happens here? Because this, the the previous movie in the series, after Ever Happy, the worst name, <laughs> worst title of all time. For. Um, yeah, the, the the worst title of all time of any film ends with Tessa deciding, fuck this guy, fuck this awful human being, I'm out, I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah, this guy who's like abused her for four films worth of stuff <laughs> and then eventually publishes a book telling their life story without telling her that's the point at which she decides she's she's finally had enough. Yeah, and is that the final point of the book? after ever happy it must be surely because if so that's actually a kind of poignant end piece and you could almost frame that as okay these books aren't very good but they do have a message to tell you about abusive men and men who don't respect people in relationships which is they are not going to change you cannot change them what you need to do is forge your own path without them however (laughs) Enter after everything, which undoes perhaps the single thing that might be good about the after series, and instead brings back our boy Harden Scott, <laughs> which is his character name. Harden. His, his his character name slightly less stupid than the actor's real name. Hero finds Tiffin. <laughs> It's, that's the thing. The character's name is Hardin, but the pronunciation seems to vary across the films. Like the dad character in his his numerous emotional dad speeches slash sort of not quite bollockings throughout this film, <laughs> sort of oscillates between calling him Harden or Harden or Harden or however he wants to pronounce it. However, he's feeling that day, and they just kind of kept it in because whatever, it's not I, a real name. I think it's pronounced French, and it should be Hardin. Hardin. Hardin Scott. <laughs> Um, so this movie, right? I've got some questions about this, and I maybe don't want to know the answers because that would require me to give up more brain space to mm. the after movies. Our female lead is not in this movie for more than about five minutes. Yeah, 
She's on the um, poster. This, this, the, the, the poster is extremely misleading, isn't it? it? It implies that it's their wedding and it's their like kind of fairy tale ending story. And of course, that spoiler alert, it's not their wedding that's in the film at all. It's his brother who's getting married to someone else. And they're both at the wedding at the end. And then they see each other and immediately fall back in love and have sex and get married. And that's like the end of the film. Like and the last five minutes. Kids. You see them like, it's, 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 it's like a, they haven't even bothered to awkwardly age them like that awful end bit of the Harry Potter movies where you see them all and they're suddenly middle-aged and have children. And that was then, right? <laughs> like, they could probably do this very, very easily with AI now. Um, yeah, it's... it's in, Instead, it's just them, and then there's a kid. And a but kid. Hero finds Stephen was probably like, don't you dare digitally age me. You can't Fuck off. digitally age me. <laughs> I'm hero fucking finds Tiffin, mate. <laughs> so it skips to him being a dad five years later or whatever. And the only way they show he's a dad is like, he's got a beanie and a nice coat on. <laughs> and he's walking into a massive nice house. Um, so apparently, right, I had a little look. Josephine Langford did not come back to this film due to scheduling conflicts. Oh. So it was footage used from previous films and unused scenes. Oh, Interesting. That must be why she says about three words in the whole, the whole film. Which begs the question, why did you make it? If one of the two leads isn't in it, why did you make this film apart from to cash in? I assume she was doing something. There's a, a film that she was in called The Other Zoe. Okay. Um, Zoe Miller, a super smart computer nerd who is uninterested in romantic love, has her life turned upside down when Zach, the school soccer star, gets amnesia and mistakes Zoe for his girlfriend. That sounds amazing. Okay, that's a that good concept. so much better than, than, than this film. Um, so it's either that or she was also in a monkey movie. Um, Dunstan in, checks in. The remake in of Dunstan checks in. Um, a young man's life is turned upside down, becoming uh, quadriplegic. Moving forward seems near impossible until he meets his unlikely service animal, Gigi, a curious and intelligent capuchin monkey. Oh. So she was also in that in 2022. So I assume one of those things stopped her from being in this, this train wreck of a film. Um, because this is a one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. This is, this is truly one of the worst films we've ever seen. This is this is the worst movie in the after series, which is saying something because those are probably those other four movies are probably in my top ten most hated films I've ever seen. Progressively worse, don't they? The second one I think was better than the first one just because it had that kind of Cole Sprues. Yeah, the second one had swe- Sweat of Estimation Man in. Very bad publishing intrigue <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Whereas actually in this one, there was the depiction of a publisher that was actually spot on, which is where he goes out to, like, quite early on, he goes out with his editor, who's like, um, I assume it's his editor or his agent, or it doesn't really matter, does it? A publishing person who says... <laughs> says him look we need another book from you because you're hot right now if if not then your moment will have passed and you'll be gone so we need it now and they've given you lots of money to do this and if you don't do it well then you'll be out on your ass and that's that is actually kind of how commercial publishing works so yeah but i was gonna ask you another question because that struck me as being okay that seems far more likely than the way that publishing often gets portrayed in these kind of movies which is that um dakota johnson walks up to her subsidiaries and tells them to make the font bigger Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, 
I've got a question for you, right? Subsidiaries. I mean, employees, subordinates is what I meant. <laughs> God, I can't talk. I thought, record, I thought recording on a Monday was good, but I think, I, I don't know. My, no, my head is, yeah. It's just this, watch, watching this film has like broken my brain somehow. It's turned it smooth like a manatee. Um, I've, I've got a question for you about the publishing element. We've got a one book arsehole here. <laughs> he's released one book it's done very well but he's still an unknown property that should have been the, the title of the film one book asshole <laughs> i'm a one book asshole <laughs> um it's been one book since you yeah <laughs> it's been one book and i'm an asshole <laughs> See, that was what i meant to sing <laughs> That's what I meant to sing, but I couldn't. Um, I couldn't get it out. I played that song to my eighteen-month-old son by the, yesterday, by the way, and he loved it. Oh, of course he did. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, so we've got this one book asshole here. He's a year behind schedule after giving an advance of a quarter of a million dollars pounds. He corrects pounds, her. It was sorry, pounds. He, cor- he corrects her because it's British pounds, mate. I am British. Because you, you need to be reminded that he's British. Five films into British this man. god-awful franchise. Um. Would they still be that patient with him if they were down a quarter of a million pounds a year behind schedule on some guy who just released a single book before? No, they'd have cut him loose some time ago. Yes. But the the stuff about him kind of like being, well, this is your moment. Actually, yeah, if it was kind of his peak popularity, they would be giving him another chance. So it depends. You don't know what's going on in TikTok in the background, do you? But generally, yeah, if you've been given that much money and not delivered, you'll probably have been asked for some of it back. Or it depends on the terms of your contract. Usually, it's extremely rare, if not, I think, unheard of these days to get all that money up front. Usually, it's like you get a bit now and then a bit when it um, a bit when it comes out and then a bit more after meeting certain sales and whatever. So that's if you get one at all. But like, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I did think, hmm, they're giving this guy an awful lot of time someone who wrote a bad book that sold well yeah and now is is here again um it's interesting because this movie i was wondering why this movie entirely focuses on the worst human in the world and that question has now been answered because there were scheduling conflicts which also makes me think they didn't want to wait for those scheduling conflicts to be over or behind the scenes josephine langford aka the person who can actually act uh, said, I do not want to be in these movies said, anymore. I've finally had enough. <laughs> I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. Which I wouldn't blame her for because she deserves so much better than she. These she really does, yeah. And she, um, she obviously thought I've done four of these that are based on the actual books, and now you're trying to spin off some new stuff that's not even based on the books. Nah, I'm out. She should have done a Harrison Ford and said, "I'll do one more, but you have to kill off my character." Yeah. That's what she should have done. Um, But instead, we get to spend 90 minutes with the worst human being that's ever been put in a movie. Of him just moping around and just being the most morose, like, boring guy. You're like, you've you've become an international superstar author, like, bestseller, and all you can do is mope around and be just a complete knob. But instead, what we get is, like you said, him moping around being a knob for 90 minutes. Um... One quick point before we continue this. There is a reason why After Everything is incredibly important. And that's because this movie made a really great scientific advancement. It's a film that slows time. (laughs) It feels like you've been watching it for hours when you're only 25 minutes in. And I think 
we need to get some proper scientists studying how they managed yeah. to create this. And that's why my brain is broken right now trying to talk about it. I'm still <laughs> processing that kind of, yeah, that kind of black hole that, that this <laughs> when, film came out of. You, you came out 60 years older than you were when you first came in. It's just like, where, what, what's happened to me? What year is it? Um, so what this movie is, is it focuses on entirely on Hardin, Hardin Scott, um, and his journey to try and become a slightly less awful human being, which is meant to have been the point of the other after films. However, the other after films concluded with the fact that it is impossible for him to become a better human being. And this movie, actually, we talked about a few films which really showcase how dangerous these romantic ideas can be when it comes to embracing toxic masculinity and embracing toxic relationships. Yeah. And I think this might be the worst example of that a across all of the other films that we've watched that have a similar sort of atmosphere. Um, you know, like the Fifty Shades movies was a, is a key example of that. Yeah. Um, this one might be the most insidious and nasty of the lot. Absolutely, yeah. There's, there's a, and there's a moment when it almost starts to recognise it, which is that he he moves to Lisbon because that's something that rich, privileged, moping guys can just do. Um, he he moves to Lisbon because some girl, some other girl he abused before he got um, to Tessa lives there and he moves there to try and like make amends with her and the kind of story gradually emerges in flashbacks that like he filmed them having sex and then it his mate leaked it so apparently it wasn't him so that's totally fine even though he let it happen but like there's a there's like um a douchebag muscular guy um a portuguese chad who says if it was a, <laughs> if it was up to me you'd be rotting in a cell and I'm like, yes mate Come on, you are the true heart of this film. You know what's going on, my boy. Let's have your biopic next. Yeah, I was just, I was going to bring up him later, that fella. Um, yeah, because. The Chad Sebastian versus the Virgin <laughs> Hero Finds Tiffin. The Virgin Hero Finds Tiffin, yeah. Um, clearly, every man now in the After Universe, now that we've got rid of the sweater vest wearing man from movie two, everyone else is a greasy haired, tattooed grump. But the other greasy-haired, tattooed grumps are superior human beings to Hardin Scott. Yeah. Um, the nebulously accented, possibly Scandinavian Sebastian. Yeah. It's never quite clear, is it? I'm going to go with Danish. That's what I'm I'm going for with his character. Um, he calls him out for being an evil piece of shit. Like you said, he said, you should be in a cell. You should be rotting in a cell, which is exactly what he should be doing. And then him and his mates beat him up. They beat up Hardin Scott because Hardin decides to headbutt him out of nowhere. And then he realizes, oh, fuck, mate, there's fucking three of them. And although I am the great hero finds Tiffin and I'm the proper hardest, but also the most emotionally resident man in the world, look at my tattoos and look at me drink whiskey for 90 minutes. Oh shit, I'm getting the shit kicked out of me and now I'm in prison. <laughs> and that's where the movie should have ended. They should have beaten him to yeah. death and thrown his body in the sea. And that's where that's where this film should have ended. Um, but but it he's does... back on the booze in this one as well. Yeah, and he's always drinking whiskey and drinking it in a really emotionally... Uh, aggressive way where it's always whiskey neat no he, he says in that whiskey. scene in the club he says i'll do a whiskey i'll do a whiskey i'll do a whiskey you don't do a whiskey mate. what's that supposed to be <laughs> is that supposed to be um, like a britishism that that they think a, a thing that we say 
That's what we. That's what. That's what Hero finds Tiffin says. He yes. was, They clearly embraced him on this script and were like, right, whatever Hero finds Tiffin says in real life, that's <laughs> what we'll do. I think Castile London him. just like followed him around for a week just to learn how he <laughs> how he lives. Yeah, that's and then exactly just based this film on him. That's exactly what happened. Um, but this movie does bring up some really important Hardin Scott law, which is that. <laughs> Yes, he's a complete shit to women in the other four after movies. That doesn't even scratch the surface of the worst thing that he's ever done to a woman, which instead gets revealed in this movie. And it's me- it's portrayed in this movie as if we're meant to sympathize with yeah. him. Yeah. What he did, what he did, right, is he does a bet with one of his awful male friends when he's slightly younger saying, yeah, I bet I can get this girl to sleep with me. And then his awful friend says, well, you've got to get me proof. Harden Scott decides, right, I'm going to seduce this woman for a bet. And then I'm going to film us having sex. Then I'm going to share that footage with my friend. So even though his friend is the one who shared it around to everyone else, he still broke that trust first by only doing it because it's for a bet and then by sharing that footage with a friend. So although he says it wasn't his fault and although the movie portrays it as not being his fault and even the victim of Harden Scott's horrible act saying it's not your fault, it's Jim Bob or whatever he was called. (laughs) um, It was still Harden who shared it with someone without permission as well. Yeah. Like, he is a piece of shit. He is an awful human being. And uh, the worst part of it is that it's a plot device. All of this stuff is all in service of the plot, which is, I'm sad and moping around because I don't have the woman that I love. How can I find myself and then find my way back to her? So all all of that stuff is just used as a device, and it's the most cheap, and and disgusting. It's disgusting, isn't it? Yeah, it's truly revolting the way that they use this as a framing device, because... This character... It's less. Her, it's more revolting than the cannibalism that we discussed about Bones and All two weeks genuinely ago. Genuinely <laughs> far more revolting than that. Because this character that we're introduced to in this movie, who Hardin was a complete piece of shit to, Natalie. He was far worse to Natalie than he ever was to Tessa in this film. Um, Natalie, her trust was completely broken, and her only reason to exist here is to provide a redemption arc for Harden Scott as a character. There is no frame here for us to delve into how he's an awful character. She only exists for us to then think about, oh, well, he's he's a good man now and he's thought about it. And look, he's now asked permission for her if he can tell part of her story in his new book. Didn't ask before he started writing the book. No, that makes it all fine and she's totally fine with it just an awful human being and and an awful message and i think that's what really frustrates me about Mm. this film is that what kind of message are you sending to the audience of this movie like this is not acceptable behavior and this movie is reinforcing the idea that this is acceptable behavior for someone that you're in a relationship with and that actually someone who can do something like that can be redeemed by simply saying sorry and buying things and then they're all fine and they're actually someone that you should like aspire to be with. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's disgusting. Genuinely, I don't I I know I sound very much like a Daily Mail reader here, but <laughs> ban this sick filth. Ban this sick filth. Yeah. Truly. Won't awful. somebody please think of the children. But no, I, I'm just impressed that this film achieved an incredible feat of making 
possibly the most unlikable character in film history even more unlikable. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they did it, but they found a way to make this awful character even more dislikable, an even worse piece of shit. Um, and and it genuinely feels like that was the approach that they took. Yes, yeah, because Harden Scott has clearly always been a total fucking asshole to women, and will continue to be a total fucking asshole to and women. to everyone. Every woman in the world should automatically have a restraining order against Harden Scott as a precaution because of what he could potentially do to them and would do to them if he could get away with it. And you even see he has he has this fantasy about sleeping with the the uh, cabin crew member on his flight to Lisbon, for instance. Yeah, and it's just like this is this is an evil, horrible little man. And why is this? Why is that scene even in the film? What purpose did it? It serve? serves zero purpose apart from to get a little bit of titillation in because this movie is a sexless mess. Yeah. That's the thing. There's quite a lot of sex in the early ones, isn't there? But in this one, because it's not the woman he loves, it's like they can't quite bring you... Obviously, he has to have sex with her when they finally get back together at the end, which is obviously going to happen. But yeah, they just had to throw that in there to be like, oh, don't worry, kids, it's still sexy. Yeah, apart... <laughs> they, it's still erotic. There's still some erotica in here, but it's a dream in this pervert's head. And that's it. And that's the only thing yeah. you get. And I think the problem is... Okay, yeah, you can make movies about awful human beings. That's absolutely fine. And you can make movies about awful subject matter. But this is a movie that glorifies that. And it glorifies it in an insidious way to an audience that may well be taken in by it. To an audience that already is having this kind of messaging board bombarded at them all the time by other stories and by the predators in their lives. It's insidious because it's sort of banal and casual, isn't it? That sort of makes it doubly insidious as if it was... It's almost worse than if it was really overt. Yeah, this this movie doesn't explore its themes. It uses its themes as a prop to get this romantic story told. It's far worse than the Fifty Shades movies and the way that they portrayed it. And that's where, an achievement. <laughs> which is an achievement because those Fifty Shade movies, particularly after the first one, which is bad in its own right, get very, very nasty. Yeah. And this this is significantly worse. They at least had all the weepy weird stuff with his long lost brother that was like yeah, hilariously all the, bad. All the all, all the weird sort of melodramatic nonsense was great in those films. And all that kind of like hypercapitalism, I'm a rich guy sort of money porn stuff. After the after films didn't really have that. Again, they were so lazy. They didn't even bother to to explore that, did they? They were just like, he's rich and he can buy anything he wants, whatever. Like money is never going to be an issue in any of these. Like he's just a rich tosser. Like, <laughs> yeah, and and this is the movie that leans the most into that in such a casual way, where he just buys this woman a house that he abused, and he's just there on a boat out of nowhere and he's just sauntering around Lisbon and he's moving from continent to continent on a whim and yeah. he's got 250 grand sitting in a bank account because people were desperate to read his book it's just this is just the life of rich scumbags he's a rich tosser with writer's block and it literally at one point shows him typing on his computer I don't know what to write <laughs> <laughs> it's just the worst isn't it truly truly, truly awful truly dog shit film um i have to say i thought the dad 
Vance, who's like revealed to be his dad at the end of one of the th- the things, is not his actual dad. Whatever that's supposed to be, all that fake, stupid drama from the other films. His performance was good because he was exasperated by Harden for most of the time he was on screen <laughs> in a way that you could sort you sort of felt like he was actually exasperated at the film and thinking, "Why am I doing this?" And that actually came across in his performance in a way that made it feel genuine. Yeah, I I appreciated the dad character in this film because he was literally just like stop being a dickhead and grow up and stop being a scumbag to people was basically his message and the mum as well it was quite good because a lot of the the scenes where they were there genuinely like they were looking at him and just saying to him what the fuck are you doing which is quite a good question to ask and the 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 dad one kind of he turns it around though doesn't he He goes to see him in lisbon and sort of gives him a bit of an emotion a sort of semi-bollocking and then some emotional i love you dad stuff and then and then he goes now let's get some food you fucking idiot that made me laugh out loud (laughs) yeah it was actually a somewhat good emotional dad speech it's the one thing in this movie that i thought this this particular scene isn't a complete failure because he also has a good message to share with his son which is which is a good message for anyone who is heartbroken which is you know what yeah you have loved this person and it feels like you could never love anyone else and maybe there'll always be a place in your heart for this particular person but that doesn't mean that you're not going to love other people stronger and love other people continually throughout yeah. your life. And actually, that would have been a really good message to end on if he did just move on and do his own thing in life. But of course, that all get enti- gets entirely revoked because Harden Scott, of course, has to get everything he wants yep. and gets back with Tessa through um, random footage that they picked up off the floor. By shagging her at his brother's wedding and then proposing to her right after. And that begs the question... Was that a wedding? That must have been a wedding scene that they planned to put in one of the other movies. Yeah, I guess. And they just cut it for some reason. Yeah. It's just very odd. The whole wedding setup was very strange, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, The wedding scene also has one of my favourite Harden Scott moments, which is he's doing a best man speech and he's able to make it all about himself. Yeah, and then runs off before he finishes his speech, which is overshadowing the wedding, <laughs> like a total dick. But that's um, at least is what you expected to happen because at the beginning it's like wedding scenery stuff, and you're like, okay, the pattern of most of these films they've sort of opened with him ruining something by being a massive dick, and you're like, how, Lord, uh, oh, nice wedding you got there. Be a shame if someone ruined it. And it's like I was really hoping it was just going to be him being like drunk and abusive at a wedding, and that was going to be it. But then you spend the whole film like thinking, is that what it's actually working up to? So there was a bit of tension there. <laughs> How is he going to ruin the wedding? It's going to happen somehow, and it turns out that he does it in a subtle but possibly more irritating way than if he just got drunk and abusive. Yeah. Um. <laughs> if he did a whiskey. He did. A, I've done a whiskey. Give me a whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. What whiskey do you like? I don't know. Just a whiskey. Um, speaking of the very limited dialogue of uh, Hard and Scott, or not dialogue, vocabulary, I think we didn't get our first fuck until half an hour into the movie. I don't remember him saying fuck even once in this film. I felt like his parents said fuck more than he did. Maybe it's a generational yeah, thing. Gen, Gen Z is swearing less than us, apparently, is what I've been told. Well, maybe that's also why there's less sex in this movie, because you've got this weird neo-Puritan thing about, well, why is there sex in a movie if it's not part of the plot? It's like, because it's characters and human beings and they have sex. 
understand. Yeah, we're not it. here saying you can't have sex in a film. By all means, put sex in your film as long as it serves a purpose and towards characterization or plot or whatever, right? Yeah, and and there is this weird neo puritan movement, particularly amongst younger people, towards um, oh, I don't think we should have sex in movies anymore. It doesn't serve a purpose to the plot, so why are we adding it into films? We shouldn't have sex in films. It's like, why the fuck not? Like, yeah. <laughs> and again, once you movie. start down that road, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? And this yeah. is where we sound old. <laughs> this is where we're like going down the, or oh, you can't say that anymore. You can't do anything anymore, which we're not like either. We're not, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. and equally, you can do all this stuff. It's just people pushing against it. And I think it's yeah. it's partially the the marvelization of, of media. And the mm. sanitization of media to be able to share it around. Because Mar- Marvel is the opposite of sex. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, there's that really great article somewhere, isn't it? Or, or maybe it was just a, a statement that someone made um, that in the Marvel movies, everyone is beautiful and nobody is horny. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and that's just, you know, that's the the huge example of it that everything is being sanitized from a marketing and a capitalism perspective yeah and with that they're then trying to create this cultural tie to try and remove that romantic attraction that sexual attraction as well because they know that they can't necessarily market it as easily to everyone if they put that in i'm just going to come out and say it iron man has never had sex (laughs) he's the least the least (laughs) sex person ever just he gives off pure incel vibes yeah yeah he's smooth down there like an action man that's why his suit fits so well he's i mean he's basically elon musk if he built stuff that didn't just set itself on fire anyway so i mean pure incel yeah um but there is and 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 maybe well no we know the reason why there's not as many sex scenes in this movie it's because the lead the female lead wasn't in the movie. wasn't in it yeah but, and they couldn't bring themselves as you say to do, to actually do the decent thing with the plot and with his character and to send a proper message to people about love which is that as you say the thing that dad says but that doesn't actually happen which is that sometimes you do actually move on <laughs> so like they couldn't actually have him move on and or like even i thought even maybe it was going to be like he's going to move on and be a dick to someone else and then it's going to be about their toxic relationship yeah, you could have you could have got another four movies out of this if he just moved along to somebody else and was just horribly abusive to another poor woman. Yeah, you could have you could have got four more films out of this. You're not thinking with your horrible content mill churn in mind properly. Yeah, that's a specialty of um, big boys that the big boys productions. By the way, that's our back room, the, the evil content churn room. Yeah, give 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 us the rights to the after movies. We'll show oh, you, you how imagine? to make continual shite. Yeah. We'd make like, it so good. We'd make it incredible. We'd we'd hire Chuck Poolanik to write the screenplay <laughs> to, to to after what would the next one be called? Well the the thing is called Before, but there's a book this is what's confusing about it as well. There's there's a book in the series called Before, but then in this one the book that he writes is called Before, and I'm pretty sure the content of that is different to the thing, unless it does actually kind of take from that, which I don't know and I don't really care enough about. But no, but we should keep on doing awful after after puns or word. It's not even a pun, is it? Yeah. So word, yeah. word salads. After eight mints. <laughs> that could be a good collaboration opportunity. Good exactly. product placement. Yeah. That's I think we've we've already got a brand new way to tie in this intellectual property to supermarkets. Yeah. We are perfect for the after movies. After eight mints. Um. 
after raniums, we could make terraniums for tortoises, Ooh. apart from with hardened Scott's face all over the side. <laughs> Hafter, where we do half a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for busy people. If you haven't got time yeah. to watch a whole film, just watch half of it. We, we cut out all the bits no, of the Nobody finishes fuck. films anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's and like then, the, and then the, it's the opposite of a supercut. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I was impressed that he only says that he he does have a few fuck moments. Um, if you've not watched the other after films, um, Hero finds Tiffin regularly expresses emotion just by saying fuck in a very funny way. Yeah, fuck. you don't need to, you don't need to watch them. You just need to listen to our discussions of it, where we imitate it quite a lot. Yes, um, and uh, and yeah, but there's only there's only a couple of moments of it in this film, but, yeah. and it does the first one doesn't come until like I said half, about half an hour into the movie. Um, which that was very a disappointing. Lot of restraint and made it very boring because, as you say, at least when he was doing his kind of I'm a morose guy bef- thing before, you're like, well, at least he's putting some emotion into it and he's being over the top and silly and he's kind of there's a bit of ham. He gave us a thin slice of ham before, and on this one, the ham was <laughs> no gone. Ham. This was a nothing just sandwich. Just dry bread, yeah. stale bread. Um. Warburton stale bread. <laughs> Delivered to your house by Robert De Niro. So can I point out that he is going to continue acting, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, Hero finds Tiffin. I gave him the benefit of the doubt in... um, There was one thing you said you saw him in where he was good. Yeah, what was it? Um, I'm going to have to have a look. Oh, it was the tunnel. He's in the tunnel. Um, yes, I've not seen was, that. Which was a decent TV show. Um, and he's in the movie The Woman King, which is apparently very good. I don't know if he's got a big role in it. Oh, yes, I haven't seen that. I heard um, good things about that. But I've heard, I've heard really good things about that. But I just hate Harden Scott so much that I also now automatically hate Hero Finds Tiffin. You're never going to be able to extract them from each other, are no. you? He's going to be in the next Guy Ritchie movie, which I'm sure you are going to be oh, great. so excited to watch. <laughs> my favourite actor in a film by my favourite director. <laughs> I mean, it's got a, a couple of good people in it. It's got Henry Cavill and Kerry Elwes in. Oh, okay. okay. Um, Do, is so, that enough to balance it out? Interesting. Interesting. See, yeah. it, it also... Okay, I'm looking at this. Hen- Henry Golding. I like him. Kerry Elwes. Yeah. Fisher Stevens. Okay, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> you're in. You're in. You know, Fisher Stevens is involved. Um, but I mean, it also is going to have Nazis getting murdered. So the British military okay. recruits a small group of highly skilled soldiers to strike against Nazi forces behind enemy lines during World War Two. And if there's one thing that is always enjoyable to watch, it's Nazis getting killed. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be good. It could be good. Um, he's going to be in a movie called Come As You Are, which is not a movie about Nirvana. No. Um, an idealistic young woman's life begins to unravel when her job in social media exposes her to the darkest corners of humanity. Oh, no. He's playing a man called Peter. I hope he walks into every That's... room and tells people to F off. <laughs> He's 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 just an online troll and he's just writing fuck off. But then it cuts to him at the computer and he's saying it as well and he's going, fuck off. <laughs> Sounds great. I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd I'd watch that too. Um 
yeah, I don't. I, I I'd be intrigued to see what that's about. Is it actually going to be about anything, or is it going to be bad? I think um, it's going to be bad. He's going to be in a movie called Fackham Hall. <laughs> Fuck off, Hall. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's clearly his yeah his dream role. Um, a a new porter forms an odd bond with the youngest daughter of a well-known UK family. As the Davenport family, headed by Lord and Lady Davenport, deals with the epic disaster of the wedding of their eldest daughter to her Caddish cousin. Do we reckon he's going to be the Caddish cousin? Of or course. The porter? No, he couldn't play a porter, could he? It's got a good cast. Thomas and Mackenzie's in it, who we know from good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and Catherine Waterston, who okay. got yeeted out of the um, Fantastic Beast movies because she didn't agree with J.K. Rowling, from what I hear. Oh, good for her. Um, which fair cop, Catherine Waterston, because you were like the one good thing about the Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a shame for you. But um, and and also was in that very silly Alien movie, of course. Oh, really? Which um, one's that? So she was in Alien Covenant, which is the stupidest Alien, alien film, Covenant. That's which a is saying something since Prometheus exists. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that that that's got two good people in it. Who knows? Maybe old. Uh, yeah, may, maybe old. Uh, he'll he'll have a turnaround if he's working with stuff that's not complete trash. Look, he's twenty five. He's got plenty of time to turn this around, but it doesn't mean that his toxic past is going to be okay. Just like his character in this film, right? This film's going to want <laughs> you to forget. We're not going to let him forget it, but we're going to maybe let him be okay. Be okay with doing some good stuff in the future. Yeah, I mean, my my big problem is his character is so utterly dislikable. <laughs> Are we ever going to be able to truly separate Hero Finds Tiffin from Harden Scott? Can you think of a more dislikable character in film? Because in this moment in time, I can't. And obviously my brain is, has been made smooth by this film, but like, I, I can't think of a more unlikable character. I can't think of someone who happens to embody both being so irritating and dislikable at the same time. And smug about it. And unlikable doesn't mean a villain necessarily. It's it's more like a protagonist that you're supposed to root for who you can't root yes. for because they're yeah. a massive dick. Yeah, exactly. Like you can think of worse human beings in movies, but this is one that we're meant to root for. <laughs> yeah. And I I genuinely cannot think of one which is more dislikable as a like even was it Ryan Reynolds in that film Just Friends? He was extremely unlikable, but like he is like the most likable, loveliest man compared to Hardin Scott. Yeah, yeah. It it really manages to somehow be more dislikable as a movie than that awful Just Friends movie, and I just don't know how they managed to do it truly truly something special went on here whether through laziness or malevolence or some kind of deal with the dark gods um it managed to do something i think it's a bit of all of those (laughs) if you ask me yeah yeah um just christ what i'm i'm glad these movies are over but this movie should not have existed it should have ended with the last one absolutely yeah there is no reason for this film to exist and no reason to watch it even if you liked the other ones, it will probably disappoint you. I hope that the people who genuinely like those other ones are disappointed by this as well, and that they might then see how awful the franchise is. I really hope so, because the after movies as a whole, 
they're essentially a celebration of men failing to achieve the bare minimum to be a good partner or to be a good human being. And that's what they've always been. But this is the movie that really takes it to the next level of that kind of thing, which is, look, he's learned his lesson. He's not going to be as awful, apart from he literally just did something which where he cared less about your feelings than his own. Look, he's nice now. He went to Lisbon and then he he wrote a book about how he he filmed himself having sex with a woman for a bet. and But then it's fine because he took it to her and made sure she was okay with it before publishing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and yeah and he got paid half quarter of a million pounds for it (laughs) yeah and then when you finally meet up with him again he's he's weirdly focused on you when he's giving a best man speech it makes you uncomfortable and he's just bribed a child to be able to come dance with you rather than talk to you like a normal human being yeah um yeah he's he's evil evil man i would very much like to find harden scott and lock him in a room with just me, a hammer, and him. <laughs> and that should be the sixth half of the movie. <laughs> After Dawn of the Hammers. That's the new Big Boys <laughs> production. When we get, we'll, we'll, we'll spend all our money getting the rights to these films just to produce, yeah, like a, a three minute snuff film. <laughs> No, no, we'll do we'll do plenty of other trash, but then the final one is going to be after Harden Scott gets hit repeatedly in the face with a hammer. Yeah, and then it's 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 a brutal snuff movie of Harden Scott getting murdered, and then it's ninety minutes of just watching his brains on the floor. This becomes a new Halloween classic. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly um so yeah this movie is bad this movie's really bad please don't watch it everyone involved in it should feel bad i urge you never to watch it yeah you should not watch this film and genuinely not even in a like so bad it's good curious kind of way you're curious no No, it's there's nothing good about this at all no redeeming features whatsoever toxic and bad yeah truly truly bloody awful um really vile 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 film um a couple of notes about other people in this movie though um we did mention josephine langford i hope that she has a good career after this now that she's managed to escape it. absolutely it seemed like she's doing um, some other good things so fair play yeah to her. she's doing bits and bobs so hopefully she'll be able to get out of it obviously she doesn't have the nepotism of hero finds diffin on her side um but i'm sure she she should be able to to get out um mimi keen who played um natalie the woman who harden scott also abused in the after yeah um she was she's been in some bits and bobs she's in sex education all right yep um also in eastenders all right um when she was younger so yeah maybe she'll maybe she'll be able to to, to forge a good career she was perfectly fine in this movie oh so um, she was in the um the terrible tolkien biopic Oh, was that not very good? I, I heard it was terrible. In, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. I'm interested in but... watching it because biopics are for for, for nerds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, here's a story about real people and real things that happen. No, give me boring. Fucking, give me fucking demons and dragons and stuff. Give me an evil fake fake guy moping around in <laughs> Lisbon. That's what I like. Give me hero finds tiffin sent behind the scenes behind enemy lines in she did a voice in a castlevania game you what mate two castlevania games lords of shadow mirror of fate and lords of shadow 2 
which are bad Castlevania, but still, I'm very, very impressed we found a link to Castlevania. I've heard they're quite good, though. They're just different. Just different, which is bad. (laughs) They're not bad like (laughs) Castlevania 64 bad. No, no. These are relatively... These are, in fact, the last two games, two mainline Castlevania games that were made in 2013 and 14. So... They're they're big and three D and bombastic and stuff, so I'm I'm never going to play them. Oh, actually, well, Mirror of Fate was on the three DS and is actually kind of sort of two point five D. So if I can ever get my hands on a three DS and a copy of that cartridge, I might play it, but that's very unlikely. You could. I've tried to emulate it, and it's quite say, difficult. Does it not work emulation wise because of the touch screen? I think you don't need to use the touch screen, but the graphics are very off, and it's really hard to find a stable file. But ah, uh, okay, yeah. Because the D the DS ones are fine, um, yeah. but the three DS is a is a whole other can of worms. Oh, did you say three DS? Not DS. yeah, yeah. I oh, know all the the regular DS ones. Those are like some of the greatest games ever made. But like no, this is the three DS. Yeah, three DS emulation still has has a little way to go to be stable um, across the board, actually. And I think it doesn't help that a lot of the games on three DS weren't particularly well optimized either. No. Which then creates a problem further down the line with emulation as well. Um, which is which is always always a challenge. Um but that has very little to do with the after movies. I no. wish there were scenes of Harden Scott trying to get three DS emulation to work and going, Fuck's yeah, sake, it's not fucking working. Fuck. Because that is how I feel I trying to do that. I can't play whiskey simulator on the three DS. <laughs> I wanna do a whiskey we'll in three D. But no, that was very, very cool, Mimi Keen. That is that is great. Very yeah, interesting we, CV. You've got you've got new stands now out of this because yeah. you're in some Castlevania games. You should. I be never thought games. anything would ever link EastEnders and Castlevania. There you go. <laughs> Did you think anything would would link After and Castlevania? No. <laughs> Castlevania. We could oh, do a, a, a a crossover with Harden Scott in a castle getting killed by. Dracula. Yeah, getting eaten by vampires. Fuck, like that. I've been bitten by a fucking Dracula. <laughs> yeah, he goes in with a whip, like looking like a really cool vampire hunter, tries to whip a vampire, and then yeah, he just gets eaten by like the first stage demons. <laughs> oh, fuck, I've only got whiskey, not holy fucking water. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's a game I would play. We should mod it, mod, mod him into Symphony of the Night as a playable character. Yeah, there's actually a very, very strong culture of um, modding the DS ones that I've actually been vaguely looking into. I don't know what I'd even do, but that's that's going to be <laughs> my mod you, now. Yeah, you know what you're going to do. You're going to do an after mod. Yeah, um, I mean vampires are quite morose and mopey, aren't they? I think maybe he might be he might be a bit of a vampire. No, but the other vampires would shun him. To be a vampire, you need to have a level of sexual energy, which he simply does not have. Oh, that's true, yeah. He is not a sexy man, as much as the movies try to make him sexy. No, he's too—he's—he's he's a morose... Yeah, as I said, I mean, it, he's more sexy than Iron Man and Marvel, but, like, it's not, <laughs> not, far, not far above that, is it? Yeah, it's not... It's not um, he, he's not there. He's not there. He's, he's, he's not reaching those high levels, the echelons of what we expect. Yeah, it's not as horny as, say, Flash Gordon or something, you know, which is at the top of the, towards the top of the horn scale. There's a lot of horn in Flash Gordon. Um, yeah. So go and listen to our episode about that, if you didn't listen to that episode, which was a few a few episodes ago. 
Yes, yeah. Well, God, yeah, that was relatively recently, wasn't it? Relatively. I mean, yeah. We say recent, that could mean anything. Both because this, <laughs> this film has distorted our perception of space and time, but also because we're over 300 episodes now, so I don't know what happened anywhere anymore. No, no. I mean, when when did we do... Um... Ten things I hate about you. Well, that was the that was episode one. Exactly. That was the very <laughs> but it, first episode. But it also feels like only like five episodes ago. I know. Yeah. In our heads. Um. Yeah. It's. Uh, this is a bad, bad film. This film's. This film sucks. This film stinks. <laughs> it really does. And I really hate to do that. I really hate to just go to say that a film is terrible. Is like just to just like, that outright say that a film sucks, but. This film really sucks. It does, and it has no reason to exist, um, and it should not exist. You should, um, you should not watch it. That's the worst part, isn't it? You're just like, why were they making this when they could have been making literally anything else? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's that, that's the thing, isn't it? You could have made the people involved in this could have been making, I don't know, something good. <laughs> anything else would have been better than this. Yeah, says it took ten million at the box office. Where? Who showed this? I don't know. Apparently, there was a limited theatrical release. The three sweetest words in the English language. <laughs> Do you think though that was maybe just them paying for a load of people to go and see it? Because I know that certain. Oh yeah, yeah. Certain um. Certain. certain uh, production houses do that, don't they? Yeah, it's like buying copies of your own book. Yeah. yeah. Which Hardin Scott would totally do. <laughs> would would definitely do. That's why it's a bestseller, is he's just been like, fuck, I've got to use some of my fucking money to buy my own book so it's at the top of the Amazon sales charts. Um, So how are we going to rank this? And have you got anything else you want to, uh, you want to say about this? No. <laughs> No, you're done. <laughs> I'm done. I need to lie down after this. <laughs> yeah, how are we how are we gonna how are we gonna rate this? Um so um how many Ham. <sighs> A thin slice of ham. How many thin slices of ham do you have with your whiskey? Um none. I just drink whiskey on its own. I'll do a whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I think... Is this going to be a zero? I think it's going to be a zero. I I genuinely, like, I can't think of anything that's worth giving it a point for, apart from maybe the dad. But again, it's like, what are you doing in this? Guy who can actually act. Like, it's... Mm, I don't know. No, there's nothing to redeem it, is there? No, truly, truly awful. Um, this is a zero and I feel like as a summation of the whole after series we need to give it a symbolic zero yeah I think that makes sense I think um, yeah we're done with it and then what that means is it's always it's all uphill from here so what are we watching next see that's the point is I was (laughs) couldn't be any worse (laughs) I was so focused that's not a challenge by the way Um, I was so focused on this crap that I hadn't actually thought of anything yet Uh, so (laughs) Do you want me to just randomly pick something from from Disney Plus or something like that? Yeah, let's do that. Um, right, I'm going to go on Disney Plus. I'm going to look at romantic comedies. Oh, you're going to you're going to do it right now. Do it right now. Yeah, 
Okay. Um, and I want you to give me. Oh God. Well, you're gonna give you're gonna give me choices. Give me a number between one and four. Four. Okay, and give me a number between one and ten. Ten. Is this how we're going to pick them all moving forward? Is this our random number uh, generator? We've got fucking high school fucking musical. <laughs> Brilliant. No, that's that's a good that's a good palate cleanser. Yeah, but I don't want to watch it. I've seen it before. Have you seen no, it? No, I've, I've not. <laughs> and I had no intention of ever watching it. But okay, we're doing high school musical. Fates have decided. Well, look, you, you listen, two... Vanessa Hudgens is a friend of the podcast. It's true. It's true. We Ephronator... He's getting there. <laughs> he was in um, Baywatch. Yeah, that's uh, one of the worst films I've yeah. ever seen. But after everything, makes that look like Proust. <laughs> Can you say I don't that? Know why I said it like that. <laughs> Proust. No, I can't because I'm laughing. So like Maggie Smith. Proust. Um, yeah. Okay, we're doing we're doing High School Musical. Yeah, you chose the fourth column Brilliant. along, and then the tenth row, which ended up being High School Musical. Also in that just, row was like, Love, Simon. Kind of fell off my chair when I was saying that and it, like, it pulled a muscle in my leg. <laughs> we're at that age. Yeah. Yeah, we make those kind of noises when you have to stand oh, up. If, oh, Love, Simon. I actually um, I read the book of that and it was good. Um, and Just Married was also in that column, in that row as Ooh, well. Oh, have I seen that before? Which is, I feel like um, I've seen that before. Brittany Murphy and Ashton Kutcher, isn't it? Yes, watch that, and it was bad. Um, <laughs> also nearby was a movie with the Bronholm and Emma Thompson. The Love Punch. Yes. I've seen that, and I feel like we've talked about that before. This is the other point as well, where we're, we're getting to the point where we can't remember what we've watched. I swear, it I would be hilarious that. if we watched something that we had that we'd covered on a previous episode, like unaware, <laughs> unaware of it. Yeah, we've definitely not done High School Musical, though. No, we've definitely not done that, because you, you've never seen it. No. Ugh. <laughs> Brilliant. Vile. <laughs> All right. Well, that that's great. I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm glad that we never have to watch any after films ever again. <laughs> until so, they do the yeah. reboot. Until they do the, yeah, the inevitable reboot. <laughs> um, but hopefully that won't be for another 20 years or so. But... Um, <laughs> You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us at Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Um, and we will be back next week to talk about High School Musical. Alrighty. Bye bye. Bye bye.